0: Welcome to a special five-part podcast series on the new Treliant, sponsored by Treliant. Over this five-part podcast series, we will discuss what is new at the company and key issues that Treliant is helping to lead and define in the online training industry going forward. Over this five-part series, I will visit with Treliant CEO, John Arendez, Maggie Smith, Vice President for Human Resources, Scott Schneider, Head of Content Development. I know you will enjoy this special five-part podcast series on the new Treliant. First, a word about Treliant. The mission to transform compliance training from boring to brilliant, Treliant's award-winning training helps organizations create and maintain respectful, inclusive workplaces Treliant's modern approach to e-learning is designed to motivate positive behavior through realistic video scenarios and up-to-date content that is interactive, easy to customize, and connects with today's mobile workforce. Treliant currently serves 8,000 organizations across industries and geographies. In this part three, I visit with Maggie Smith, and we put a spotlight on DEI. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me Maggie Smith. Maggie, first of all, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today.
1: Sure. Thanks for having me.
0: Maggie, could you tell us uh, your professional background?
1: Absolutely. So I have been in human resources since I think 1998. I started out in healthcare and spent a good chunk of my career working in human resources in healthcare. And as well as tech. I worked for a software company previously, and then joined Treliant in April of uh, 2021.
0: And what's your role at Treliant?
1: Oh, sure. I'm the Vice President of Human Resources here.
0: Maggie, as you know today, we're focusing on DEI, and that's hugely important for every corporation, uh, certainly uh, all of Treliant's customers and those who are not yet customers. Uh, But I wanted to maybe ask you, how do you see DEI as a key component of a robust compliance program?
1: Absolutely. So I think um, DEI certainly in the workplace is a step past non-discrimination. And it's really um, taking things one step further than just really like, okay, you know, check the box, Uh, you know, we're going to follow the law. And certainly, you know, as a business argument for diversity, equity, inclusion, you really want a diverse team that's going to allow for better problem solving, better decision making, more innovation, creativity, and ultimately more success. So really, you know, ensuring that you're accepting diverse workers and making them feel included is going to pay dividends. It's going to motivate them um, to perform in the workplace. Workplace.
0: Maggie, I really like the way you framed that uh, as uh, where we were at some point in the past, which was anti-discrimination. And I'm a lawyer, so words still matter to me. And DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, for me, the key word is inclusion. Uh, I grew up uh, when Title VII was passed. uh, And when I first went into the workplace, it was, okay, you can come to work here. And that was it. And then we got to equity. But I find inclusion to be perhaps the most important because it's not that we're going to let you work here. It's that we value you working here. And more importantly, we value your voice. So how do you advocate a company really bring the eye in, the inclusion in, to an organization?
1: a great question. I really think about inclusion, um, you know, that one step beyond diversity. I think diversity is, you know, hey, we're having this party, we're going to invite you to the party, but inclusion is, hey, you know, do you want to join us and dance at this party? So, I think the way, you know, incorpor- corporations can do this, this, you know, kind of approach to creating a diverse, uh, inclusive culture is, you know, consider all of the processes that DEI touch. So this goes, you know, well beyond DEI efforts that everybody thinks of. It's really, you know, having inclusion um, for people so that their voice is heard throughout the entire employee life cycle. And one of the ways we do that here at Treliant is really Um, making sure that we're not hiring for culture fit rather, which I think is the norm because culture fit is kind of more the same, you know, bringing people on we like to work with. And because after all, we're going to spend time with them, Um, but bringing in different people who are culture ads and then making sure that we're giving them a voice throughout the process throughout their entire employee life cycle.
0: Yeah. used two words there that I have not heard before, so I have to follow up on that. And that was, quote, culture ads, end quote. Mm -hmm. Uh, Could you really give us a few more of your thoughts on what culture ad means to you and how you try to communicate that to both internally and at Reliant and in a broader audience when you have that opportunity?
1: Absolutely. So I think a lot of times you hear the phrase culture fit instead of culture ad. And I think where this can kind of veer off the rails a bit is that culture fit can really be a mirror of our biases, right? Like we're comfortable around people who share our demographics, our same socioeconomic background, identities. And you really want to have a very diverse process as it relates to recruiting. And then also, you know, continuing to reinforce that. Um, you know, really also creating a culture where everybody is comfortable participating. But I think, you know, we don't want to have what's, you've, uh, as an attorney, I'm sure you've heard the term affinity bias. Um, some people call it the mini me. So just really hiring to enhance your culture, not necessarily fit in, fit in, right? Thinking about what can this person add to our culture, instead of thinking, mm, are they going to fit into our current culture?
0: You know, that really is a great lead into the next area I wanted to explore with you. Uh, we both have been working when Sarbanes-Oxley was passed. Uh, there was a requirement that uh, companies, U.S. public companies have a internal reporting system. But that uh, was really just a starting point. And then companies moved to, well, let's train managers to learn how to listen, uh, to learn how to intake an employee concern or report. And that's really led people to think about not just a hotline, not just a reporting system, but a true speak-up culture. And that includes things like the safety to raise your hand and speak up, the trust that you have that your managers will uh, take your information and take it seriously, whether it could be a violation that requires an investigation or whether it's an idea that could enhance efficiency or improve your product or services. So I wanted to maybe use that as an incredibly long-winded way of introducing the the connection you see between DEI and a true speak-up culture in an organization. And uh, also, what's the power that you see when you can connect those two in
1: a meaningful way? I think the power is that you get so many great ideas or, you know, you think of things that you maybe overlooked, for example. Uh, when I first started at Trellion, I remember I was like, I think seven days into the job and um, our co-founder here, Andrew Rawson, said, so we're going to have this meeting next week and I'm going to have all the employees call you um, with any questions they have and we'll address those at the meeting. And I, and I kind of chuckled and said, Andrew, like, that's not going to (laughs) work. You know, I'm brand new here. They don't know me. We don't have that trust. Um, So you have to build that trust. You have to really work hard and consistently to create a psychologically safe workspace where people will feel comfortable speaking up. And um, so we initially did, you know, kind of the things you talk about with like an anonymous inbox. People could message through um, a website that, preserve their anonymity with any questions and we would start reporting out on those at our town hall meetings and you know we'd always at at the end of the meeting say well does anybody have any questions and thankfully the anonymous you know emails to the box went down and people asking questions in the meeting went up because you know somebody was brave enough to ask a question And, you know, everybody kind of got to witness that, you know, we took the time to answer it thoughtfully and, you know, we committed early on to people here, hey, we're going to take a look at all these concerns because at first we had a very robust inbox of suggestions and um, we did do that. And I think it's so important though that anytime there is a concern brought to management or HR or complaint. You really need to investigate it promptly. You need to take corrective actions when needed. And you absolutely have to close the feedback loop with employees. Even if the answer is like, hey, no, we can't add this really cool benefit right now, that's still an answer. Because otherwise, if you don't do that, people are going to stop giving you their opinion. They're going to stop taking the employee surveys. Um, So you really want to make sure that you are you know, really kind of thankful to people. Like, thanks for bringing this to our attention. Here's, you know, here's the answer on that. You
0: used another term I'd like to follow up on. I think I wrote it down correctly, feedback loop. Yeah. Uh, Why is it so important to keep a reporter, uh, a person who raises their hand, a speaker upper, if I can even use that term? Why is it so important to keep them, if not involved, at least informed, on the progress of their idea, their concern, their report.
1: I think that's so important because if you don't, and you don't circle back with them and do any of those things, then they just think, oh, I brought this, you know, concern or idea or feedback forward and nobody listened to me. Nobody did anything about it. And many times that's not even, that's not true. I think most HR people and most managers honestly have the best of intentions, do look into things, but I do think the area where we fall down short potentially is not letting that person know, you know, whoever brought the information for not, you know, telling them. And I think that happens for a variety of reasons. I think people address it, it gets busy, and they're like, oh, that's done. Or um, conversely, I think that they, yeah, <laughs> They might just like, they're afraid to tell the person bad news. Like, hey, you know what? We can't do that right now. But like, no is still an answer, you know? And even if you say, hey, we're going to look at that again in six months down the road, might be, you know, let's see how we do this quarter, might be able to implement that change then.
0: It, It really seems to me you have described an entire system of trust. You've described the system of trust that allows someone to to literally raise their hand and speak up, but you've also talked about the trust to use that information. Once again, whether it's an investigation, whether it's looking at doing something a different way, and you've trusted that the people you've told it to will get back to you in in some form. Once again, whether it's, Mm -hmm. you know, yes, we're looking at it or thank you very much. Uh, Here's the steps we're going to take so that there's a, a dialogue Uh, as well. And it really seems like to me, if I've said what uh, fairly assessed, what you've said, that that's really a culture of speak up, which is what you've been trying to talk to us about.
1: Absolutely.
0: So let me change the focus just a little bit uh, to ESG and specifically what you see as the role of DEI in ESG. And I want to start with the S. Uh, maybe focus on the S. And, and let me step back uh, and tell you my story that I want to bring into this. My father served in World War II, and he later became a labor arbitrator. And the reason he became a labor arbitrator, because what he got out of World War II was not simply a fight for democracy, but that working men and women, specifically those in labor unions, should have due process at the workplace, So as a labor arbitrator, uh, if someone was fired or terminated, uh, he would review that action by the company, and if they took appropriate due process steps, uh, they allowed the employee to tell his story, allowed him to have representation, and there was essentially an impartial judge, he would uphold that, but he was very concerned about institutional justice. Now, that developed in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and obviously we were far beyond that, but For me, I see that basic justice and fairness component to the S and ESG. So once again, with a very long-winded question, do you see that too? And have we just evolved with our current state of DEI to help facilitate the justice and fairness part of the S?
1: I hope so, but I will say I know that's not always the case. I, you know, have, you know, (laughs) been in human resources quite a while and you know have conducted many investigations over the years and you know sometimes I'll get on the phone when the report initially comes in you know get on the phone with the manager and they'll say well you know this happened and I need to take this action um, regarding this employee and I'll say well what was their side of the story like you know what what did they say happened because they'll have you know, said, Well, I got, you know, I investigated, I maybe got a written statement from this witness. But, you know, it's so important for people to slow down, you know, give that kind of social uh, justice that's due and give the person the opportunity to tell their side of the story. You know, no one ever wakes up and is like, Well, how can I, you know, create a problem at work today? Most people don't. And I think just giving them the opportunity, a lot of times, you know, there can be an explanation and you really want to, it's not a rush to figure it out. You know, if you have to, you know, slow the process down and even keep the person out of work a little bit while you do your due diligence, I would say, please pay them while they're out and, you know, take your time and get to the bottom of it so that they feel heard as well.
0: So that's a great way that I hope compliance professionals will think about some of the roles of DEI and the S of ESG. Maggie, I wanted to thank you for taking the time to visit with me today, and I look forward to continuing this conversation. This is Tom Fox. Treliant has a great number of resources on their website and information on how you can improve your online training experience. You can check it all out at treliant.com. I hope you will join me again for another episode of The New Treliant. This special five part podcast series, sponsored by Treliant, is a production of
1: the Compliance.